Hi, I'm Kai Squires and welcome to Animals Are Calling, a brand new podcast from World Animal Protection. Each week I'm joined by a panel of experts as we discuss the biggest issues affecting animals right now, how they affect people and the planet, and what we can all do to help make a difference. For this episode, I am joined by World Animal Protection's Eugenia Morales and Morva George to discuss how dolphins are cruelly treated within the tourism industry and how each one of us can play a part in securing them a better future. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. And while you're at it, we'd love to hear from you in the form of a review. It's great feedback for us and helps other people find the podcast. Just click on the review section wherever you listen to the podcast. So let's jump straight in. It's time to discover the truth behind the smile. Welcome to Animals Are Calling, Eugenia and Morva. I'm honestly truly excited to speak to both of you as we're going to be talking all things dolphins. Um, I love dolphins. But first, let's hear about both of you. Uh, Morva, could you start by telling the listeners and myself about where you are in the world and what is it that you do for World Animal Protection? Hi Carly, thank you. Um, So I'm based in the UK, I'm based in London, and I am a campaign manager um, at World Animal Protection. I'm in the international wildlife team. Fabulous, and Eugenia, you're right across the globe, aren't you? Do you tell us a little bit about where you are and what you do? Hi, Carly. I'm Eugenia. I'm based in San Jose, Costa Rica, the beautiful Costa Rica. And I've been working for World Animal Protection for over 10 years. And now I'm the network manager for our wildlife team. It's so great to be here with my lovely colleague, Morva, talking about dolphins. So exciting. Absolutely. We've got a full female podcast today, which makes me even more excited Um, as if dolphins aren't exciting enough. Um, But let's start um, by talking about Fooled by a Smile. Um, It's a campaign at World Animal Protection. Uh, But Eugenia, could you give a sort of brief outline on what is happening to animals in the tourism industry? Thank you, Carly. Well, fortunately, in the tourism industry and in the entertainment industry in general, we've been exploiting wild animals and using them as entertainment in ways that makes them really suffer. And the saddest thing for me is that most tourists that visit these uh, entertainment attractions don't know that they're actually contributing to animal suffering. They're visiting these places like dolphin venues or elephant camps because they love the animals and they want to be close to them without really realizing that by doing that and by having that direct interaction, we're actually making them suffer because there is so much going on backstage to bring the elephant to or the dolphin or the other wild animal to a place where we can have direct contact with them. So there's a lot of hurtful training and doing tricks for food and things that are really, really bad for the animals. And unfortunately, that is going on all across the globe. And that's why World Animal Protection has been working so hard to take animals away from entertainment and to finding animal-friendly solutions for the animals that are already already immersed in the entertainment and just making sure that tourists move to to look at them in the wild where they belong. Absolutely. I love the point you made about people being unaware. And I think 
all the episodes that we're including in this podcast are focusing on areas and kind of bringing more awareness to industries that involve animals where a lot of people really don't understand what the animals go through. Um, and ahead of this podcast, I was actually thinking that, like myself, like I was a kid growing up in the 90s, I'm sure like a lot of our listeners, and Free Willy was one of my favourite films, which was all about helping um, an orca escape from a tourist attraction. Interestingly, it must have made these cruel industries boom, because the next thing is I wanted to go and see these animals face to face. And uh, I went to SeaWorld in Florida, and I was it seems so bizarre now, but I was touching stingrays. I was watching other tourists feeding dolphins. Uh, and obviously at the time, it was the most magical day of my life. Now, when I look back, I obviously feel a lot of guilt because as we've learned through documentaries like Blackfish, what they go through is really terrible. And when I was thinking about this, I was wondering if both of you now in your positions at World Animal Protection went through a similar process in regards to learning about the cruelty in tourism. Absolutely, Carly. And you, um, every day when we're out there talking to people and we're in events, we're, we're hearing about similar stories. People who would come to us and say, I didn't know, I didn't know when I went to an elephant camp that they were, there was all of this suffering behind it or they didn't know about the dolphins. Uh, I, re I recall a few years myself, I went to an aquarium in, aquarium in the States and I just, I just had the worst time. The animals look so sad and in these tiny tanks, um, with no, no real like nature-like habitat conditions. Um, I remember we went there because we were visiting some friends and they, they, they said we should go and it was really so, so depressing. So, um, the animal, it was just so devastating there. The animals looked, they were having like the worst time ever that we just stay there like for a few minutes. And I said, I think we need, I, I need to leave. I can't be here. I not, um, this is not, this is not an experience I want to have. And I'm, I think a, a lot of people have had a similar experience. And what's interesting about that is that we're now in 2021 we're learning a lot more about what these animals endure. And I would imagine that a lot more people compared to the 90s in most of our lifetimes understand a little bit more, particularly about orcas and dolphins um, in these animal attractions. But um, I'm interested to hear from you, Morva, about the videos that you might see still online where you see humans swimming with dolphins. Um, are the dolphins actually enjoying that? Yeah, so I think one of the very sad things about dolphins is that they have a particular morphology of their jaw, which makes it look as though they are smiling. And the captive dolphin industry has really played on that to um, create this very sort of happy family, joyful theme around going to swim with a dolphin in captivity. Sorry to jump in, Morvin. Sorry, I just wanted to ask, what does captivity mean? Just to outline that for our listeners. So keeping an animal in captivity, um, when we're talking about the captivity of dolphins, you know, we're, we're really talking about the keeping of a wild animal, an undomesticated animal in conditions that are not natural and do not allow the animal to live out um, its natural instincts. Um, and yeah, for dolphins, um, that's very much the case. They're kept in you know, tiny, barren um, concrete tanks, hugely limiting 
um, for their natural behaviours. They cannot um, swim anywhere near um, the you know the great expanses that they swim in the wild. Um, in fact, their tanks are often two hundred thousand times smaller than their natural home range. Wow, I was um, I was also interested in what you're saying about the the smile because, like you said, that's often sold as a as a reason to swim of them because they're happy and they enjoy it. But I'm interested to hear from you. Are they happy in these conditions? And if not, what is it that makes them happy? In terms of what, you know, does make them happy, um, what makes them happy is being able to live out their natural behaviours and their natural instincts. Um, And, you know, that means swimming, you know, uh, great expanses of ocean, um they sometimes have a home range of up to 400 square kilometers um huge expanses they dive very um to deep depths um they're very sociable animals they keep to you know their pods they are animals that are highly intelligent so keeping them in a small barren tank um really equals a lifetime of, of suffering Dolphins in captivity um, will be put in a, in a situation where they have no um, other option but to interact with with humans. They will, they will be trained sometimes through food deprivation in order to perform and interact with humans. It's not a um, a, a natural thing for for a dolphin to do. One thing we've often heard about the people who are behind. Um captive venues or dolphinariums and that sort of thing is the that you see the dolphins doing these jumps and things that you also see them doing in the wild so that that might mean they are happy and that might mean it's natural behavior but one thing we have to remember is the reason they're doing that in the dolphinarium is because if they don't do that they won't get food if they do it in the wild it's because they want to and that choice that that their their willingness to choose whether to do it or not is the difference between them being in 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 their natural habitat being happy doing their natural behavior and actually doing tricks for food and and being um being trapped in for for their entire lives in a as more of a set in a very very small setting compared to what they were encountered in the ocean so that's an argument we often hear and it's it it's again they're not smiling they're not happy they are they're captive they don't have a choice on animals are calling we obviously like to expose the truth and reality of what animals go through day on day but we also like to focus on looking forward and how we can make a change so I wanted to start off by saying a big congratulations to both of you because I know this month you've had some exciting news um Morva I don't know if you'd like to share that with our listeners yeah so we've been campaigning for a few years now um asking Expedia Group one of the world's largest travel companies to um, stop selling captive dolphin entertainment and they finally agreed so it's taken them a while um but we are absolutely delighted that they've decided to remove um, captive dolphin entertainment from their offers that's fantastic news I'm just going to do a little clap because that is amazing Um, And it just goes to show as well, sometimes you feel like you're not making a difference, like two years is a long time to spend on a campaign, but you you both did it and the rest of the team at World Animal Protection. Yeah, thanks, Carly. But 
you know, we've had so much support for this campaign. Over 350,000 people um, signed a petition and so many people have actually taken, so many of our supporters have taken these these actions for us, calling out Expedia online. Um, and they've followed us throughout this campaign and they've been the ones who have actually really um, created this change. You know, Expedia has listened to people pressure in this case and people power and, you know, we're just absolutely, we're absolutely delighted, but we couldn't have done it without, you know, the amount of support that, that we've seen for this campaign. It just goes to show, often you feel like you sign a petition, me being one person who signs petitions and wonder what's going to happen next. But Eugenia, that obviously proves that it makes a huge difference to a campaign. Absolutely. I think this is a this is such a win for everyone who is involved, for all of our supporters. As you said, sometimes we sign a petition, we don't know how much it's going to help, how much of a how much it can it can mean. But this comes to show that contributing, supporting, being active really, really does make a difference. And we're, as Marva said, we're so delighted with Expedia making this decision. And this goes to all of our supporters for sticking with us, for supporting this campaign, for sending emails and signatures and sharing content. Um, It's really going to make a difference for the dolphins, which is, I think, what we all want. We want a better life for all the animals, right? Oh my gosh, absolutely. Um, But of course, I also want to talk about your work. What is it that World Animal Protection were sort of demanding of Expedia and what action we took as an organisation to get them to change their minds? Expedia's new policy means that they'll no longer sell tickets to venues, um, captive dolphin venues, where where dolphin entertainment is the sole offer or where um, the dolphin entertainment is included in the ticket price. So this is, you know, they've met our ask, um, which is brilliant. And we are going to be making sure that they remove those venues from their site. We'll be following up on this. And um, in terms of what what got us here, um, we've been, we launched our campaign targeting Expedia Group in 2019 and we launched it because we, um, a piece of research that we did uh, behind the SMAR report showed that Expedia Group sold tickets to over 60 venues um, worldwide, which sustained the captivity of over 600 dolphins. And so it was a no-brainer to us that Expedia Group absolutely needed to stop these ticket sales. You know, removing those tickets from the captive dolphin industry will have an impact on the venues and will hopefully mean that less dolphins in the end are bred and wild caught. That's There's so much happening there, isn't there? Um, to make such a huge statement with Expedia. I am sure that I read or heard somewhere that you or World Animal Protection were about to start a protest. And then that's when the call came in from Expedia that they changed their minds. Eugenia, could you tell me how that felt in the moment, what that was like? Well, we actually had planned an offline event organized by our US office in Seattle, which is where the Expedia headquarters are located for that weekend um, when Expedia published, as Marva said, the new animal welfare policy, um, meeting our ask to stop selling um, venues that sold, that have uh, captive dolphins. Um, so 
our team had to uh, rearrange a little bit what they had planned for the weekend, but we still we still were able to organize the offline activity, um, meet with a few people with quite a few people in Seattle. People were taking pictures, and they had this immersive experience of what it felt feels like in a way to be a dolphin in captivity. So it was um, a small uh, enclosure where they heard the sounds, the smell of chlorine. Um, so people were in a live, in a kind of virtual experience of what it feels like for dolphins to be in captivity. Uh, and we did that and people were taking pictures and they were interacting and also learning um, a little bit more about what it means for dolphins to be in captivity. But it was also an opportunity for us to celebrate with Expedia and to encourage them to continue to, as, as more of a said, to really enforce this new policy to make sure that they remove the offerings. Um, and it was it was just a way to say thanks Expedia for saying no thanks, right? That was their that was their new slogan for for the campaign. Um, thank you Expedia for saying no thanks uh, for dolphins. So that was really an amazing moment for our US team and for all World Animal Protection to be able to celebrate such a great win with our supporters. So do we have other big names now that we're looking at? Other big names that we should avoid when it comes to booking our holidays? So there are travel companies who are still selling dolphin entertainment, the big, big names, um, one of them being Tui as a well-known brand in Europe that is still selling captive dolphin entertainment. And um, we hope that, and we will continue to fight until um, these, these well-known um, and all travel companies stop selling these tickets. Well, I'm honestly shocked about Tui because... They are huge, aren't they? And like you said, if you didn't know any better, you would just go along and trust everything they had to say, um, which makes me think, I'm sure I'm not the only one thinking this. Uh, could you share some sort of tell, tell signs that the animals being, are being treated cruelly um, in these attractions? Yeah, so really the, the key thing to do when you're on holiday is is never take part in any... Um, experience where you are coming into contact with a wild animal or where the wild captive wild animal is being um, is being used in any kind of show or performance Um, so they are key um, red flags that you should avoid when you're on holiday and um, yes sadly a lot of travel companies do make money from um, ticket sales where where this this exploitation of wild animals um, is going on yeah, so I think as Moriva said, um, there are a few guidelines: that no interaction, no direct interaction with um, with animals, with wild animals. Um, make sure that you cannot touch them or be close to them. Um, for example, selfies with wild animals. Um, that sort of activity shows where they have to do performances that are not really not natural. But also there are some guidelines for sanctuaries. For example, in most sanctuaries, there shouldn't be any breeding of wild animals. So if you see small, small uh, animals, then that's that's also a tell. Um, no, no direct interaction with animals means no bathing of elephants, no feeding them, that sort of thing. Um, interaction with animals should only be done by the actual caretaker. So there should be a safe distance between the animals and 
and the, and the tourists. And if I think if we've learned anything from this pandemic is that direct interaction between people and wild animals can have serious consequences to our health and to our daily lives. So um, it's something that should be avoided. So as, as more of a said, I think it's a little bit about doing a research before we go on holiday, but we also have some resources. So um, we, we, saw, we still have some travel companies that are not doing the right thing, but we have some travel companies that are doing the right thing. And we have a list of wildlife friendly travel companies in our website. We have some guidelines for tourists and travel companies in our website as well that people can consult before going on holiday, making sure that they take the right choice. I also know that the best way to view wildlife is to see them in the wild, to see them in their natural habitats. Um, and I know that wild animal protection is involved with whale heritage sites. Uh, Eugenia, could you explain a little bit about what that is? Of course. So the Whale Heritage Sites is a global certification program. It was developed by the World Cetacean Alliance, supported by World Animal Protection. And it basically recognizes destinations where um, whales, dolphins, and other cetaceans are viewed and respected in in a way that they can they they can enjoy their natural habitat, that there's um, legislation that protects them, that we're make, that the community is collaborating and making sure that these animals are celebrated and are protected in their habitat as well. And for World Animal Protection, it's such an honor to be part of this initiative because it's every whale heritage site. It's really showing the travel industry and the tourists and people in general the right way of interacting with wild animals, the right way of interacting with whales and dolphins. It's it's not only seeing them in their natural habitat, but it is finding a way to have a peaceful coexistence with them where they can enjoy their space and we can view them. And if they want to get a little bit closer, we give them their space. They have a choice to interact or not to interact. There are strong regulations in terms of how close boats can get to the animals. But it's not only about whale watching. It is about the whole community celebrating this magnificent magnificent creature. So in whale heritage sites, you will find communities doing art shows and museums and festivals and um, really leaving the, um, the celebration of, of whales and dolphins and other cetaceans in their daily life. So it's really part of the community. It's part of their heritage and part of who they are. Wow, that's amazing. I didn't realize that, that it was such a community effort. Um, and, you know, if you you do want to travel, that's what you really want to have a positive impact on is the community, is the area and is you know, the living creatures in that area. So that's amazing. This makes me actually want to want to grab my pen so I can note down where these whale heritage sites are, because I am due a holiday. Um, so please, Eugenia, share the wealth with the rest of us. Absolutely. So we have currently five certified whale heritage sites um, and eight candidate sites. And I will explain the, the difference a little in a, in, a, in a little bit. But we have Hervey Bay in Australia, the Bluff in Algoa Bay in South Africa. 
which Algoabe is the most recent one, just certified earlier this year. And we have Tenerife in Spain and Dana Point in the US, also certified the beginning at the beginning of this year. And those are are, are are fully certified sites. But then there are other candidate sites across the globe. So there is Cabo Pulmo in Mexico, Vancouver Island in Canada, Golfo Dulce in Costa Rica, which I'm very proud of. Um, Marlboro Sounds in New Zealand, the Azores in Portugal, Cabo Polonio in Uruguay, Ombay Wetar Strait in Tumor Leste, which is the newest. And then we have the newest candidate site, which was just announced last week, which is Santa Barbara um, in, the, in the United States. And the difference is um, the process for becoming a whale heritage site, it means that a community, um, a location has to submit an initial application. It is reviewed by um, by a committee within the World Cetacean Alliance, and they decide if they meet the criteria for becoming a the initial criteria for becoming a site. And if they do, they are granted candidate status, and that means they have um, now three years to submit their full application. Um, and once the full application is submitted, it is reviewed by an independent panel outside of the World Cetacean Alliance. And if they meet all the criteria, then they are certified. And it's a really rigorous process because they, the, the advisory board and the World Cetacean Alliance and World Animal Protection as a partner, we want to make sure that the sites um, are really meeting these criteria and they are really the state-of-the-art locations in terms of uh, wildlife-friendly destinations. And as you said, the places where tourists can trust that if they go there, um, they're really um, they're really supporting a community that is that is respecting the animals and they're looking at the, they're seeing them in the wild in the best way poss possible. So um, for criteria that the the way that is considered for the certification is encouraging respectful coexistence, human cetacean coexistence. So this is making sure that there are guidelines in place for for viewing the animals and for for habitat protection, the celebration of cetaceans. So as I said, um, having festivals and museums and and art shows that celebrate whales and dolphins. Um, they want to make sure that there is environmental, social, and economic sustainability. That's the third criteria. But there's all that they also want to make sure that there's research, education, and awareness. So one key element about, about the whale heritage sites is that they want to make sure that people know that there is still some effect into whale watching. There are and what kind of what the what the implications are and how how we need to protect cetaceans and the impact on their habitat from our from our human activities there it be whale watching or other activities we are all impacting the their habitat so really understanding that impact it's it's part of the of what we want in in the site so there's that's why the research and education and awareness component is so important and of course the the element that that holds everything together, which is cooperation among different members of the community. That just sounds like such a special experience. Um, like you said, it's not just seeing the animals, it's being part of the community. It's learning about those animals that are there. Um, I know that I'm definitely sold, but I'm just wondering if we know anything about tourists that are already visiting. Are there a lot of tourists visiting? Um, what are their experiences like as well when they go there? What we've um, heard from from our partners in each of the of the of the sites is that whenever someone goes for the first time, 
And I have to admit, I've never gone and it's one, it's definitely the next thing on my bucket list to go on a whale watching experience with a responsible tour operator. But when we, what we've heard about tourists um, from our partners is that it's such a unique experience. They're, they're whole, it's like they're opening this new, amazing door, right? And it's such a magical experience encountering this magnificent, magnificent animals in the wild. But really, um, one of them said that they are looking at us as much as we are looking at them. And they're doing, she said, they're doing human watching. And I thought that was such, such a clever way of saying it. But it's exactly what they're doing. We're giving them an opportunity to observe us in the way, in the same way that, that, um, that we observe them. And when you look at the footage that we've taken from some of these places in Dana Point and in Tenerife and recently in Algoa Bay, and you see these animals just dancing around, jumping in the water, so happy, really happy, not fake happy like the dolphins, really happy. Um, I don't think anyone can, can not just think like we're thinking right now, I want to jump in in a plane, in a car, and go wherever I need to go to to experience that. And we know that not everyone can do it, but it is definitely the right way to view animals in the wild where they belong. I I would I would just say that this you know the awareness raising, the educational aspect of these experiences is just absolutely needed um, because sadly the the one of the one of the um, impacts of having these captive experiences available um, over the last few decades um, means that it's normalized the um, idea of humans interacting with with wild animals which is something that you know it causes them immense suffering and having organize having sites like um well heritage sites where you know you can trust that the operators are going to follow strict guidelines to ensure that there is that separation between humans and wild animals is 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 absolutely needed um sadly there are you know operators out there that would allow you to get too close to the wild wild animals and that causes huge disturbance issues and a lot of stress to these animals and so um, you know, we we need to make sure that there are those really responsible operators out there, and having having um, a concept like the Well Heritage Site is doing a lot in terms of um, raising awareness um, of the importance of respecting these these animals from a distance. We've achieved something incredible with Expedia. It's a huge name, and now other travel companies are probably taking note and learning a lot more about these situations themselves. And so I'm excited and I want to know what's next. What is World Animal Protection planning um, and how do they see the future for this campaign? Yeah, so as you can imagine, um, the Expedia campaign win is not the end of the story. And really what we what we did as soon as we, we um, heard news of the win was had a look at which other travel companies are out you know we are still on our list um and we will be ensuring that you know we move we move those big names to ensure they 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 stop selling captive dolphin entertainment um but what we'll also be doing is is working in in certain countries to ensure that there is legislation passed to actually lock in what we what we're calling um the last generation of dolphins in captivity so um 
as we as we see fewer and fewer travel companies selling these experiences um we'll 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 see a, a reduction in demand but what we really need to see as well is the end of breeding um and this may well you know take place um as we reduce demand but we there is also a play, there is also a role um for legislation in some countries so so we will be looking at you know in some countries um asking our supporters to join us in supporting our campaigns for governments to put in um legislation to um stop the breeding of and wild capture of dolphins for for this very cool industry so just to clarify that more verse we have um we're stealing dolphins from the wild to put into dolphin shells but equally we're breeding them so we're we're breeding dolphins into captivity. They've never had an opportunity to be in the wild either. Yes, exactly. I mean, they are very, very much still wild animals and they have all of their their, their wild behaviours and instincts. But um, many of the dolphins that you see in captivity um, will be, will be, have been bred in captivity, which may well mean artificial insemination. Um, and it also often means... Um, mother and calf separation at a far younger age than you would see um, in the wild. And so the issue of, of captive dolphin breeding, you know, you think, oh, well, at least they're not caught from the wild. But it's, I'm afraid it's just as sad and just as tragic. So you spoke a little bit about, you know, the dolphins that are in these venues. So, but I'm interested to know, and I'm sure the listeners are too, if we stop having people visit these venues what happens to the dolphins? Yeah, so um, obviously there 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 is um, concern around um, dolphins in captivity, where you know ticket sales may decline, and um, but we're really fighting to make this the last generation of dolphins in captivity. And there are some cases where dolphins may be transferred to a sanctuary, but that isn't likely to be the case um, for all dolphins in captivity. Um, what we really need is to um, ensure that um, these venues start to either transition away from dolphin captivity or and, and close, or they, um, they diversify and they start to get their income from elsewhere. Um, and what will need to happen is that these dolphins will stop being bred, they will stop being wild caught, um, and for the dolphins in captivity, they will not be exploited day in, day out. Our vision is to to make this the last generation of dolphins in captivity, and and we really we're really thinking about the dolphins in captivity as well. For them, what we want is to have the best life possible. We know it might not be possible to move them to the wild, but to give them the best conditions possible in captivity, no direct interaction with humans, no performances, and really is to ban um, breeding and wild caught. So new, no new dolphins are going to go into this lifetime of suffering. Every episode, we ask our very knowledgeable and smart guests if they can share with us a call to action, something that we can do in our lives to help be a part of this fight um, against cruel tourist sites. So would you both like to share um, an example of something we could do? The first thing that anyone should do um, in terms of 
ensuring that they are not helping um, or they're supporting uh, exploitation of, of wild animals on holiday is to one um, you do do your research do um, you know have a look at our website we've talked about you know some of the red flags to look for um, in this episode um, in terms of having any kind of experience that may involve um, a wild animal on a holiday. So, you know, really look for those red flags and do have a look on our website. There's lots of information there. Um, Do book through a wildlife friendly um, travel provider and just always um, keep in mind, you know, is this animal, whether it's in the wild or in captivity, do they have a, do they have a a choice in you keeping a respectful distance? I would say that as more of us said, uh, unlike the dolphins in captivity, us as tourists do have a choice. We can choose to go to responsible places. We can choose to go to places where there's no wild animals at all. Uh, or we can choose to go to places where we can only see animals in the wild. And even if they are in the wild, there are still still some things that we need to make sure. We shouldn't lure them with food to take a picture. Or we shouldn't get too close. Or, and we should make sure that we are keeping, as more of a said, a respectful distance and just letting them be and watching them and enjoying them from the safe distance because they have a right to be in the wild. They have a right to a wildlife. And we need to respect that as humans, as, as tourists as well. are nearly at the end of our episode now but before we leave I would just love to learn a little bit more um, about you both so I'd like to start with Eugenia and I'd love to know from you what is your favorite fact about dolphins? I think my favorite fact about dolphins is that they're such social animals and they they all stand together and and live together and and swim together and hunt together and and they just seem to be enjoying themselves so much in the wild and 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 working as a group i think that's just amazing they are really smart animals um and they really communicate between each other they um they have names for each other and i think that's just amazing um they're really really smart animals and i think we should treasure them and and make sure that we are respecting them in the wild. Eugenia, you've made my day because you gave me so many facts there. Again, I've got my pen, I'm writing <laughs> them down. I love I love just hearing about dolphins. So thank you for that. And Morva, to round up the episode, I'd love to know from you, what is it that you enjoy most about working for Wild Animal Protection? Why do you love doing your job? Well, I would say it's obviously incredibly rewarding when we win a campaign that we've been working on for for two years um but um even more than that it's working with people who are incredibly inspiring and passionate and you know we're always always thinking of you know what's the next thing so as soon as we have this Expedia win we're thinking okay how can we build on this um and being around other people who have this innate um deep love of animals and um want to absolutely do the best they can um to ensure that animals stop being exploited for entertainment and are are not exploited full stop is 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 just incredibly inspiring and i'm and i'm very very lucky to work with the people that i work with so i would say that's one of the the top things about my job 
Wonderful. This has been amazing. Honestly, both of you, Eugenia and Morva, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's been a real blast. Thank you so much, Carly. It's been really lovely to be here with you today and talking dolphins. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Carly. Thank you, Morva. This has been so much fun. I could I could stay here all day talking dolphins, so thank you. Me too. Shall we just stay afterwards and um, talk more about dolphins? Sounds like a plan. Let me just grab a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> episode many thanks to my guests eugenia morales and morva george a reminder we would love to hear from you please get in touch with us with any questions or comments on our social channels just search for wild animal protection on facebook instagram and twitter also please subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode animals are calling is a podcast from wild animal protection it's produced and mixed by johnny bunyan for pardon our french The executive producer is Emmy Kondo. Thank you so much for listening.